Chapter Twenty Five of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Twenty Five. The immortal line in sure succession reigns. The fortune of the family remains, and grandsires' grandsons the long list contains. Dryden's Virgil We are such stuff as dreams are made on, and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Tempest But Mary's back and Mary's complexion now cease to be the first objects of interest at Glenfern, for, to the inexpressible delight and amazement of the sisters, Mrs. Douglas, after due warning, became the mother of a son. How this event had been brought about without the intervention of Lady Maclaughlan was past the powers of Miss Grizzy's comprehension. To the last moment they had been sceptical, for Lady Maclaughlan had shook her head and humphed whenever the subject was mentioned. For several months they had therefore vibrated between their own sanguine hopes and their oracle's disheartening doubts, and even when the truth was manifest, a sort of vague tremor took possession of their mind as to what Lady Maclaughlan would think of it. I declare, I don't very well know how to announce this happy event to Lady Maclaughlan, said Miss Grizzy, as she sat in a ruminating posture with her pen in her hand. It will give her the greatest pleasure, I know that. She has such a regard for our family, she would go to any lengths for us. At the same time, everybody must be sensible. It is a delicate matter to tell a person of Lady Maclaughlan's skill they have been mistaken. I'm sure I don't know how she may take it. And yet she can't suppose it will make any difference in our sentiments for her. She must be sensible we have all the greatest respect for her opinion. The wisest people are sometimes mistaken, observed Miss Jacky. I'm sure, Jacky, that's very true, said Grizzy, brightening up at the brilliancy of this remark. And it's better she should have been mistaken than Mrs. Douglas, followed up Miss Nicky. I declare, Nicky, you are perfectly right and I shall just say so at once to Lady Maclaughlan. The epistle was forthwith commenced by the enlightened Griselda. Miss Joan applied herself to the study of the whole duty of man, which she was determined to make herself mistress of for the benefit of her grandnephew, and Miss Nicholas fell to reckoning all who could, would, or should be at the christening, that she might calculate upon the quantity of dreaming bread that would be required. The younger ladies were busily engaged in diverse and sundry disputes regarding the right to succession to a once-white lute-string negligee of their mothers, which three of them had laid their accounts with figuring in at the approaching celebration. The old gentleman was the only one in the family who took the least of the general happiness. He had got into a habit of being fretted about everything that happened, and he could not entirely divest himself of it even upon this occasion. His parsimonious turns, too, had considerably increased, and his only criterion of judging of anything was according to what it would bring. Sora take me, if any would na think to hear ye, this was the first bairn that e'er was born. What's the phrase about ye gawks? to his daughters. A whinin' git that'll take more out of folks' pockets than e'er it'll put into them. Many a good, profitable beast's been brought into the world and ne'er a word in its heed. All went on smoothly. 
Lady Maclaughlan testified no resentment. Miss Jackie had the whole duty of man at her finger-ends, and Miss Nicky was not more severe than could have been expected, considering as she did how the servants at Lochmerley must be living at Hack and Manger. It had been decided at Glenfern that the infant heir to its consequence could not with propriety be christened anywhere but at the seat of his forefathers. Mr. and Mrs. Douglas had good-humouredly yielded the point, and as soon as she was able for the change the whole family took up their residence for a season under the paternal roof. Blissful visions floated around the pillows of the happy spinsters the night preceding the christening, which were duly detailed at the breakfast-table the following morning. "'I declare I don't know what to think of my dream,' began Miss Grizzy. "'I dreamt that Lady Maclaughlan was upon her knees to you, brother, to get you to take an emetic, and just as she had mixed it up so nicely in some of our black currant jelly, little Norman snatched it out of your hand and ran away with it.' "'You're enough to turn anybody's stomach with your nonsense,' returned the laird gruffly. "'And I,' said Miss Jackie, "'thought I saw you standing in your shirt, brother, as straight as a rash, "'and good Lady Gurnicle buckling her collar upon you with her own hands.' "'I wish you would not dive me wi your havels,' still more indignantly, "'and turning his shoulder to the fair dreamer as he continued to con over the newspaper.' "'And I cried Miss Nicky, eager to get her mystic tale disclosed. "'I thought, brother, I saw you take and throw all the good dreaming bread into the ash-hole.' "'By my truth, and ye deserve to be thrown after it!' exclaimed the exasperated laird, as he quitted the room in high wrath, muttering to himself, "'Hard case! Canna get peace! Eat my vittles! Fills! Top-eyes! Clavers!' etc., etc. I declare I can't conceive why Glenfern should be so ill-pleased at our dreams, said Miss Grizzy. Everybody knows dreams are always contrary, and even were it otherwise, I'm sure I should think no shame to take an emetic, especially when Lady Maclaughlan was at the trouble of mixing it up so nicely. And we have all worn good Lady Gurnicle's collar before now, said Miss Jackie. "'I think I had the worst of it. "'That had all my good dreaming-bread destroyed,' added Miss Nicky. "'Nothing could be more natural than your dreams,' said Mrs. Douglas, "'considering how all these subjects have engrossed you for some time past. "'You, Aunt Grizzy, may remember how desirous you were "'of administering one of Lady Maclaughlan's powders to my little boy yesterday. "'And you, Aunt Jackie, made a point of trying Lady Gurnicle's collar upon Mary "'to convince her how pleasant it was.' while you, Aunt Nicky, had experienced a great alarm in supposing your cake had been burned in the oven. And these being the most vivid impressions you had received during the day, it was perfectly natural that they should have retained their influence during a portion of the night. The interpretations were received with high disdain. One and all declared they never dreamed of anything that had occurred, and therefore the visions of the night portended some extraordinary good fortune to the family in general, and to little Norman in particular. The best fortune I can wish for him, and all of us for this day, is that he should remain quiet during the ceremony, said his mother, who was not so elated as Lady Macbeth at the predictions of the sisters. The christening party mustered strong, and the rites of baptism were duly performed by the Reverend Duncan Macdrone. 
the little christian had been kissed by every lady in company and pronounced by the matrons to be a dainty little dog and by the misses to be the sweetest lamb they had ever seen the cake and wine was in its progress round the company when upon its being tendered to the old gentleman who was sitting silent in his armchair he abruptly exclaimed in a most discordant voice hey what's all this wastery for and ere an answer could be returned his jaw dropped his eyes fixed, and the laird of Glenfern ceased to breathe. End of chapter 25 Recording by Patty Cunningham